Captain Roof. And indeed, this air of restless activity was typical of his whole nature. An eager manner and a wide-awake look in his eyes gave a clear indication that the eleven-year-old John Christopher Timothy Jennings was always ready to play a leading part in the more lively aspects of boarding-school life. Derbyshire, on the other hand, was of a cautious and peace-loving disposition, though he did his best to trail along in the wake of his more impulsive colleague. What he lacked in ambition he made up in loyalty, for where Jennings led the way, Derbyshire always followed. "'I don't see what you're waffling about,' Derbyshire persisted, wiping his ink-splashed glasses with an off-white handkerchief. "'If you think Mr. Carter's got your English book, why don't you go and ask him? That's what I shall have to do. I was only saying that I could save myself the trouble of stonking all the way along to the staff-room if I could ring him up instead.' Derbyshire snorted. "'You must be crazy,' If you think the head's going to have our classroom put on the phone just to save you wearing your legs out, you must want your brains testing. I don't mean a real telephone. I mean a homemade one, Jennings explained patiently. I read an article in an annual last holidays that told you all about it. It's ever so easy, really. All you need is a couple of cocoa tins joined together with a long piece of string. And then what? Well, that's all, really. "'You talk into one of the tins, and somebody else listens with the other one.' Derbyshire pursed his lips doubtfully. "'That'd never work in a million years,' he objected. "'It jolly well would. The article said so,' Jennings maintained. "'It's strictly scientific, you see. "'The sound waves go hopping along the string "'and make the bottom of the cocoa tin vibrate like machine-gun fire.' The look of doubt remained on Derbyshire's face as he replaced his glasses— and ran his gaze along the rows of empty desks around him. "'I still say it can't be done,' he said with a shake of his head. "'You're overlooking one big snag. "'And what's that? "'We haven't got any cocoa tins.' Jennings thumped his desk in mild exasperation. "'But you great adult-pated clodpole Darby, "'they don't have to be cocoa tins. "'Any old tins would do just as well.' "'Oh, that's not so bad.' There was a pause for thought, and then— "'Atkinson's got a golden syrup tin.' "'There you are, then. It'll be just the job.' "'I doubt if you'd hear much through it, though,' Derbyshire went on. "'You see, it's still half full of golden syrup.' "'Of course. We could wait till he's eaten it.' "'Well, we can't wait. When I get a supersonic brainwave, I like to get cracking straight away,' Jennings said with rising enthusiasm. "'After all, there must be hundreds of empty tins knocking about the school. For instance—' He broke off and searched his mind for a likely source of raw material. "'I know. Mr. Carter always has round tobacco tins. He's bound to let us have some empty ones. Let's go along to the staff room and ask him.' So saying, he leapt to his feet and swept the scattered possessions back into his desk in an untidy heap. "'It's a pity you haven't got the telephone rigged up already,' Derbyshire remarked, as he watched his friend's vain efforts to cram down the lid.' Then you could ring Mr. Carter up from here. Jennings gave him a look. That's just what I said a few moments ago, and you said I needed my brains testing, he replied. Anyway, you're the crazy one now, because if we'd got our telephone rigged up already, we shouldn't need Mr. Carter's tobacco tins. No, I didn't mean that. I thought you wanted to ask him about your English book. Oh, that! Jennings lifted the desk lid once more and pushed the top layer of books into some semblance of order. As he did so, he noticed the English book for which he had been searching.
but by now it didn't seem to matter. He was far too absorbed in his new interest to bother about an exercise book, or even to remember why he had wanted it in the first place. At a brisk pace he led the way out of the classroom and along the corridor. As he turned a corner he almost collided with Binns and Blotwell, the youngest boys in the school, who were blocking the passage from side to side. With his hands extended before him, Blotwell was making concertina movements with a loop of cotton upon which a cardboard disc was threaded. At each jerk of his hands the disc spun round and round, in a manner which gave the operator and his assistant intense satisfaction. "'Hey, Jennings, look at our new wheeze, copyright reserved,' shrilled Binns at the top of his penetrating voice. "'Blotters and I the first chaps to be the only ones to invent ye famous spinning machine. I bet this will catch on like a house on fire when the other chaps see it.' Jennings favoured Binns with a pitying smile. "'Tut, tut! Little things please little minds.'